guys, welcome back to Pinch of Prevention. A Pinch of Prevention is a podcast associated with Evansville's very own Prevention Youth Council. Our mission is to uplift the voices of teens by providing them with opportunities to advocate for themselves and their communities and promote healthy interpersonal relationships. I'm Rupa. And I'm Nicole, and today we have with us Father Godfrey Mullen. Could you please introduce yourself and tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Yes. Um, first of all, thank you for, for coming to St. Benedict Cathedral and uh, I'm, I'm Father Godfrey. I'm the rector of St. Benedict Cathedral. We're a Catholic church in the Diocese of Evansville, Indiana. Um, and uh, it's, it's been my pleasure to be the rector here for the last eight years um, and, and to serve the needs of the people in our parish. So that's what I'm here for, and that's what I try to do every day. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is the fifth episode of our religious series in which we interview people associated with different religions within the community. Our goal with the series is to create an open conversation between religious groups and increase the connectedness of our community. So for our first question, we just want to know a little bit about your upbringing, how the religion became a part of your life, were you born into it, etc. So basically, I was, I was born 55 years ago, and two weeks later, my parents took me to the church nearby where we lived, and I was baptized. And so... Not really born into the Catholic Church, but initiated into the Catholic Church um, through baptism uh, when I was two weeks old. Clearly, at that point, I couldn't say anything on my own. <laughs> my, my parents uh, said the words of the faith uh, for themselves, and uh, I've been raised in the faith ever since, all of my life, uh, except those first few weeks. And so um, I will say that that, um, that that was an important step, but there were also other steps like First confession and first communion and confirmation, and then even the discernment of my own vocation to be a priest that were important in terms of how my faith grew over the years and um, and how I ended up where I am today. Um, a Benedictine monk who is a priest in a parish, uh, somewhat of an odd situation, but an important one nonetheless, that, that mm-hmm. God has led me, I believe, uh, to this place. And um, my mother was the secretary of our church for about 20 years. And so we were also um, we were also free labor uh, for my mother to get everything done <laughs> in the church, and so we were around church a lot more than a lot of, of young mm-hmm. people would have been. So, can you tell us a little about your favorite traditions within your religion and how you personally celebrate them? Absolutely. So, I, I think one of the basic um, traditions in the Catholic Church, of course, is Sunday Mass. Um, And my family went to Sunday Mass every week, um, sometimes on Saturday evening, but most of the time on Sunday morning, at 7 o'clock. There are five kids in my family, and um, so the seven of us would somehow get up and with one bathroom get ready and be at Mass at 7 o'clock. It was kind of a strange thing. But that rhythm of faith, I think, probably was as much uh, an important part of forming me as I am um, than, than anything else. I can also say that, that as a kid, I loved going to midnight mass, uh, mostly because by the time we'd get about five minutes in, I would be asleep, and then when we got home, uh, we got to open presents. Um, but but that the, the beauty of Christ, the light of the world, entering onto the world um, in the middle of the night, uh, something that even as a kid I thought was really cool. Um, as a monk, I would say uh, it is true, too, that Good Friday Uh, With all of the sadness of the celebration, what an odd word, but the celebration of the death of Jesus, um, somehow that in my my adult life especially, it's helped me to 
to, to deal with the grief that comes along with life, the death of my sister, the death of my grandparents, those kinds of things. And so, um, so that, that tradition, uh, that part of our tradition is an important thing too. This morning I had a funeral, uh, sadly, for a young man. But I also will say that somehow being of, of help to families in their time of grief, um, that's kind of a strange favorite tradition of mine, but, but um, it's an important part of what I'm called to do here in the parish. And so uh, that's an important thing to me as well uh, in terms of what, I'm, what I feel called to do as a priest. So a little bit more onto like the social issues now. Mm -hmm. Do you think that within your religion, topics like healthy relationships and consent are talked about enough? And how important do you think these topics are within a religion? So uh, I think it's, it's fair to say that in, in all of the questions that, that you may pose that are social questions, the Catholic Church will always go back to the touchstone for mm -hmm. us, which is the sanctity of human life. That no matter which way you look at it, every decision that we make is based on that, that truth, that God made us in his image and that, that he wants us to have go a good life that doesn't mean, of course, everything that we want. It just means a holy life, a life set on him. Do I think that people talk about healthy relationships in, a, in the Catholic Church enough? Not at all. Um, I think we do talk about it in certain places and at certain times, but I don't think we do it enough. In the seminary where I taught for 14 years, we have what, what Pope John Paul II, St. John Paul II, would have called human formation, the development of character. And that's really kind of at the heart, ironically, as we prepare all of these men for celibate life, um, it's right at the heart, it seems to me, of what real relationships are all about. Do mm -hmm. I understand that sanctity of life? And do I take care of my own challenges well enough to relate well to other people? Um, I, I, I would say no. I don't think we do well enough at that at all. I think it's a challenge for all of us. Mm -hmm. I also think that part of that challenge comes about because... In my experience, it's harder and harder for us to talk with each other and trust each other in these days, and I think that's that's something we're going to have to take into account. I do think that we talk about healthy relationships most probably in the parish when we're preparing a couple for marriage, and uh, there's a, an instrument that we use called FOCUS, and um, it especially identifies areas where couples need to make sure that they've talked about things before they make a lifelong commitment. In my, in my experience uh, here for eight years, I can tell you that has raised conversations about real relationships and healthy relationships probably as much as anything else. I also think we do some of that in our schools, um, but, but not probably as, as much as we could or should. So that conversation you're having with the married couple, is that mm -hmm. in private or is that just you and the couple? So the way we do marriage prep, um, they would meet with me first to discuss the, the answers to 180 some questions. So it's a long, it's a long uh, thing for them to fill out. Mm -hmm. um, but then they would go from that to generally, um, there are two options, but most of them go into what we call our sponsor couple program. And that would be an opportunity for them to meet with a seasoned married couple who can offer them feedback and advice. 
um, around the same topics as focus, but with a different instrument, a different set of books mm -hmm. that kind of leads them through that conversation. In my own, in my own uh, experience here, I've never had a couple come back to me after those five meetings and say that wasn't worth it. Uh, th there's a great response to that. But I also think unless you're ready to be married, mm -hmm. we don't really put that opportunity out there for young people in the Catholic Church, especially like in high school or, or yeah. even middle school. It's probably something we need to really think about. Yeah. Big question. I think that's incredible. So could you explain the roles of women within the religion? So this is where I think the Catholic Church uh, gets beaten up a lot. And, <laughs> and I would say, um, to some extent, it's understandable. I, I think, you know, the Pope, the Pope has always been a man. All of the clergy in the Catholic Church have always been men. And, and um, I, I think, you know, I think we tend to say, well, then, you know, they don't have a respect for women. Um, and, and yet, at the same time, I would say just because the, the, there are certain levels of leadership that are not open to women does not mean that women don't have an important place in the life of the church. And I use my mother as an example. I think, you know, for 20 years, she was the secretary for the school in the morning and the parish in the afternoon. And her whole view really was about helping things work for, for the good of all. And, and on the one hand, she could, have, she could have said, well, I'm not the priest, so I have no role here. Well, that was completely untrue. And in fact, in the poor little parish where I'm from... Um, they had like seven priests in 20 years. I mean, there was uh, a lot of turnover there. And who was the, who was the stability in it all? My mother. Mm -hmm. and, and so I think, I think part of it is, is you know, the, the church has embraced the discipline of celibacy and a male clergy all, all throughout its history. And, and um, we could certainly sit here and talk about that for a long time. But, but that's like my saying, well, you know, I'm, I'm not allowed to go be a nun, so the church is against me. I think, I think we have to be careful about that when so much is open to everyone. And, and yet I, I understand that there will always be an equity because it's an all-male clergy. Mm -hmm. I understand that. It does not mean that there's not leadership in the church by women. Mm -hmm. I, I will also say this. I think Pope Francis understands this so beautifully and, and speaks about it so frequently. I think it is fair to say that women have led the church in so many ways throughout its entire history. And, and again, I'm not trying to make light of the, the question of, of women in the clergy, but I, but I also think that, that he's right in saying there's a whole lot there um, in terms of leadership, that, that we could we would be completely foolish to dismiss. Well, I do think that's really interesting that you bring up your mother because although it's not an official right. like religious position, she still has so much influence, she does. which I think is a really actually important perspective to like talk about. I think that's right, and 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 that again, I think if we only focus on where I'm excluded, it's very hard to get to yeah. the conversation of where I'm included. Mm -hmm. And, and again, it's not to say that the conversation about uh, clergy and, and women, it's not to say that that's not an important question. It, it is to say it's not the only question. Mm -hmm. Well, if you're not open to the other answers, yeah. I never would have even known that, what you right. just said. So, like, that's really awesome. Right, right. So you've kind of already touched on this, but how do you think domestic abuse and marriage are handled within 
Could so I've talked a little bit about about preparation for marriage, mm-hmm. and and you know I think it, it, there's a lot of uh, again I think misrepresentation of what the church would say about marriage. We do believe Catholics do believe that marriage is forever. The reason we believe that is because the husband and the wife stand in front of the priest and say, "I will love you and honor you for the rest of my life. We're going to take you at your word." Mm-hmm. But. That does not mean that if, if a couple is in a situation of domestic abuse, that the church would say, you said forever, you know, you gotta, you got to figure it out, make it work. If, if a human being is in danger, the church not only would suggest, but oftentimes will assist in getting that person out of danger. And so the church would not in any way say that it is improper, for instance, for a husband and wife to separate if there is domestic abuse. Of course, we would Mm -hmm. say, get out of that situation. And if there are children present, then take them with you to safety. And and, uh, one of my favorite institutions in in the city of Evansville is the House of Bread and Peace, a place where I know, because I worked there uh, on Wednesdays for a year, many years ago, um, a place where people have to go when they have nowhere else seemingly to go because of, exactly because of domestic abuse. Uh, again, we'll, we, we'll work with couples to deal with uh, the problems of marriage, but also to support their life of marriage as well. But I think when, when you get to a level of, of um, well, a lack of respect for the sanctity of human life that domestic abuse represents, then I think we would all say, again, look at that, look at that dignity and get yourself to safety insofar as you're able. And if you're not, then please reach out and we would be happy to help figure that out with you. A lot of times it's an emergency kind of situation. And so we have places like Catholic Charities, um, like St. Vincent de Paul, like the House of Bread and Peace, uh, that are there, and, and Albion too, uh, that are always there waiting to help people because we know that, again, not because we're trying to break up marriages, but because we respect the dignity of the human being and we want them to live a full and happy life, a good life, in, in the love of God. Absolutely. So continuing on the same trend, <laughs> sure. um, how do like social issues such as sexual harassment are addressed or not addressed in Catholicism? Right. I think in a way, we've probably suffered through that more publicly than anyone else, uh, especially with sexual abuse. Sexual harassment less publicly, but... But I think it is fair to say that that the Catholic Church has made gigantic strides in the last 25 years to, to again, go back to that simple issue of the dignity of the human person and to say this type of behavior has no place in the leadership of the church. Mm -hmm. Many people would say it's because we have a celibate clergy. Um, the, The numbers don't, they don't bear that out. Um, uh, and, and so it's, it's not necessarily linked to celibacy, but I think, again, sexual harassment um, or any kind, of, any kind of harassment of any sort, uh, it disrespects the dignity of the other person. And that's our call, it seems to me, as the Catholic Church. Uh, if we're going to be the moral teachers that we expect ourselves to be, if we're going to voice the, the teaching of Jesus... Um, Jesus, Jesus would not have tolerated that and would have called it out in the same way that he called out the bad behavior of the, of the Pharisees. Uh, one of my favorite things, people always think that if you say anything about anybody, it's gossip. 
Uh, and Jesus gossiped because he spoke about the Pharisees, but we know he didn't gossip. And so sometimes, sometimes calling out bad behavior, of course, is the right way for us to move forward. And again, insofar as we're able to provide some kind of haven for people who are in those bad situations. Um, so for the next one, it's just, how do you think your religion handles LGBTQ plus communities? Mm-hmm. I will say, again, this is a place where most people would say, yeah, the Catholic Church is really awful about that. And on the one hand, you know, if, if by that you mean that, that we don't recognize um, a civil union between uh, two homosexual persons, yes, we, we, we believe that marriage is between a man and a woman, and the fundamental reasons for that are, we would say that marriage is for two fundamental purposes, the unity of the couple and the procreation of children. And in a natural way, that's not that's not able to happen at this point um, in in a, a same-sex uh, union. But at the same time, um, our bishops many years ago actually issued a statement called "Always Our Children," and it's it's official teaching of the Catholic Church in the United States, and it's it's basically an appeal to parents of Catholic people who identify with a same-sex attraction. And and the point that is made there, no surprise, we're like a broken record, <laughs> respect the dignity of their lives. Mm. Respect their dignity. And, and that's the part that I think sometimes in any faith tradition, you have, you have kind of the main line and then you have the zealots on either end. And I think sometimes people would say, if, if you have a same-sex attraction, then you are an aberration and you should... Well, but the Catholic Church would, would say, at least in this document, Always Our Children, we owe respect and, and we owe pastoral care, mm-hmm. not only to their families, but, but to people in that situation themselves. In my view, that, that's a helpful thing for us to keep in mind because it's so easy to say if you're different, you're bad. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't think that's what, what we're about. Um, without getting into too much morality detail, <laughs> I do think it's, it's important to, to, in the Catholic Church, it is important to distinguish between a person of a particular sexual orientation and the, the sexual action of that couple. The church sees those as two, not, uh, I mean, not that they're completely separate, but those are different levels of understanding. And, th- and that's where the church speaks differently about, about who people are. So, again, full respect for any human being, mm-hmm. but, but also an understanding that we believe marriage has two fundamental purposes. Do I think that means that... that People would say the Catholic Church doesn't welcome homosexuals. I think a lot of people would say that. I don't believe that's what the church is about. The, the church, I think, is about we, we, want, we want everyone to go to heaven, and we'll do our best to help people get there. So these open conversations, such as the ones we're having now, do you see them as valuable like to be had? And I know you're part of an interfaith group. That'd be mm-hmm. awesome if you could like, tell us, the listeners a little more about that as well. Absolutely. So several years ago, um, the Islamic Center of Evansville and um, the Temple Adat Benai Israel and the First Presbyterian Church downtown got together and formed this group called One God, One Community. And about three or four years ago, they approached then Bishop Charles Thompson, who is now the Archbishop of Indianapolis, 
and asked if the Catholic Church would take part in this dialogue. And he uh, agreed to it right away and told me that he wanted us to take part in it. And then very quickly <laughs> was sent to Indianapolis. And um, I will tell you that, that our relationship with those three congregations and others who join us, um, I think it has been a rich, a rich experience fundamentally because there is, again, the profound respect that we have for one another because we're human beings made in God's image. And, and I think also it was fascinating the first meeting that we took part in. I don't remember even the topic, but we were all supposed to speak about what our religious tradition would, would say to this certain question. And every single one of us went to the same source, and that is the dignity of the person. And th what that tells me is, while we are very different in the expressions of our faith, um, the truth of God's goodness and our, our willingness to um, attend to that truth, those bring us together far more than they divide us. And it doesn't mean that at the end of the day, the Presbyterians and the Jews and, and the Muslims and the Catholics are all going to be one in Evansville. That's not our goal. Mm -hmm. Our goal, truly, is to be friends with each other as we learn more and more about how we practice our faith. In my experience, there, there have been some awkward moments where, where people say things and do things that the rest of us would not probably do, but, but much more frequently what we see is, is the beautiful ability for us exactly to be friends. And um, that, to me, uh, that's important work. Because, again, as I said earlier, I don't think it's important. I, I, don't, I don't think it's our mission, particularly as Catholic people, to push everybody away. Mm -hmm. Our mission, of course, is to bring people to Christ, and that, that's what we're about. And it doesn't mean that I have to be nasty to everyone else. So I think, I think the real challenge for all of us is, can we converse in a civil way that respects ourselves and the people around us? And if we can, life will be so much richer for us than we could ever have imagined otherwise, in my opinion. That's very much doing the work of God and doing what Jesus did, drawing people to himself. From talking with these religious leaders involved in the interfaith group, like I know for me and Rupa, it is so incredible just to hear like just the respect. Mm -hmm. yeah. Every single person we've talked to has spoken so highly, not only of each other, but of the other institutions. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know, it's, it's, it's very hopeful. Like, yes. It's incredible to see. Absolutely. And again, it, it's, it's just that, that we respect human beings. Um, we would answer many of these questions very differently. Yeah. Every mm -hmm. congregation mm -hmm. would. And yet, th th that doesn't mean that we think the others are stupid or ignorant yeah. or not holy or not good. Mm -hmm. and, and that's where I think, again, that's, that's one of the things that One God, One Community has going for it and, and has done for our communities. That is, allow that conversation to happen. And it's a beautiful spirit and... Mm -hmm. And I will tell you that the, the temple and the Islamic Center, they kind of fight for who, not fight, but they, they compete for who gives out the best food. Um, and the rest of us, you know, we, we, we try hard. <laughs> but there's, there's that, that, friendly, um, that friendly relationship that allows us to see each other more as human beings instead of people who are different and threatening. Mm -hmm. And I even think the differing beliefs makes it even more beautiful. Mm -hmm. Like, it's one thing to have a group of 
for, for, yeah. for friends and you're all, you're all the same. You guys all talk about the same things. But for yeah. all of you to come from such different places and mm-hmm. be like, I would love to meet. Let's have a conversation. Let's disagree. Like sure. that's just very yeah. admirable. Exactly. And 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 yeah, the the disagreement doesn't have to be grounds then for hatred mm. or for mm. for disrespect or or for even anger. Mm-hmm. And and I will be honest, I think some of the most beautiful stuff we do is pray together. And we're all we're all from the God of Abraham. And so um, we we can pray to the same God and love the same God. And love him and one another, and to me, that's that's a huge challenge in our day, and yet I I really do believe that that it's a challenge that when we rise to it, it brings it brings what the Catholic Church will call great grace uh, to to its people, and and so why would we not? Yeah, thank you. Sure. Well, thank you so much for being here with us today. This is really just yeah, beautiful. this is amazing. Yeah. And well, thank good. you for listening to a pinch of prevention.